This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. episode 185 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and I'm joined by two guys to talk about Borussia Dortmund's proceed to the cup final as they beat Bayern in the semi-final on Wednesday evening and preview the Bundesliga match against Cologne. And for that, join me once again Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung. Hello Konstantin. Hi Stefan. How are you doing? Fine. After a very satisfying uh, semi-final uh, at Bayern Munich. Sure. I'm glad you're satisfied. Lars Polman, welcome to the show. Are you equally satisfied as Konstantin? I don't know if I'm ever going to be as satisfied as Konstantin, but I'm doing pretty fine <laughs> myself. That is good to hear. Um, yeah, before we get going, of course, uh, I do have to thank a couple of patrons because they supported us on our Patreon page, which is of course, very nice, and they've earned themselves a shout-out. So this time the shout-out goes out to the Borussia Dortmund fan club London. So greetings to them. And the uh, Cameron, to Cameron Davis and Max Östlund. And Max will also get a nice Borussia Dortmund mug soon. Collector's map is something you can purchase on our Patreon page, which is on patreon.com slash theyellowwall. Anywho, that should be all of the, the sort of, I don't know, advertisement because we're here to talk about Borussia Dortmund's yeah, pretty cool win against Bayern, although, you know, a bit lucky. So Lars, <laughs> not going to ask about takeaways, but maybe we, uh, yeah, tackle this game from, from the very top and, uh, you tell me why Dortmund started so well in this and, uh, maybe a couple of thoughts on both lineups as well. Well, Bayern basically lined up the way everybody expected, and I don't think Carlo Ancelotti is overly famous for tinkering too much with his lineups. So, uh, I mean, once we knew that David Alaba and Mats Hummels were going to be available, uh, pretty much everybody would have nailed on this 11 for Bayern. Uh, for Dortmund, it was somewhat similar. Uh, the question was whether they'd start again in a back three or back five or the back four that which they use in most games these days which aren't against Bayern or not necessarily most games but uh, in some games in the last few weeks they've gone back to a back four um, a bit surprised to see them start Dortmund I mean uh, in what amounted to basically a 4-4-2-ish shape uh, I, I know that Tuchel likes playing with two men up front as the underdog and he obviously identified Bayern's wingers, Ribéry and Robben, as the main sources of danger and had the two wingers, uh, Rafael Guerrero and Usman Dembélé, on the wings to 
track back a lot and help out the the fullbacks, which worked wonderfully on the left side and not overly great on the right side with Dembele uh, showing his youth, I guess, defensively against Ribéry. Um, and I think as to why they were relatively strong to start the game and I think somewhat deservedly went up even though the, the first goal was quite fluky and wouldn't have happened if Manuel Neuer was in goal, I'm pretty sure. Um, it was just about confidence, I think. The the Gladbach win was huge in terms of confidence and, and belief and uh, in comparison to the, for example, the 4-1 loss at uh, the Allianz Arena a few weeks earlier in April, uh, they were much more aggressive in the in the first 10 15 minutes uh pressed higher up the field i i thought um and just generally looked more uh more in control uh, of themselves and and didn't want to be victims to to bayern's superiority in the middle of the park and obviously talking about the 4-1 earlier in april uh the the way the match went then was vastly different to the way it went uh, on Wednesday with Bayern being 2-0 up after 10 minutes in the Bundesliga match and this time Bayern missing their first chance through Vidal and, and Dortmund scoring their second of the game. Um, we've talked a lot about missing match luck in the last few weeks, especially in, for example, the Champions League and I think yesterday certainly luck was on Dortmund's side and that's probably what they needed to get past Bayern. Yeah, certainly. You you just mentioned that uh, Dortmund pressed very high in the beginning. I actually uh, wrote down a couple of situations um, around the 15-hour mark. In the 14th minute, Dortmund pressed really, really high, almost uh, at the level of Bayern's box. And it was Hummels who then played the ball out of the back, found Ribery, uh, tactical foul by Weigel in the first booking in the 16th minute. Whereas the Dortmund press high again. Aubameyang presses all right. Royce is... Uh, Basically on the heels of Martinez and Martinez can play to the, to the right to, I think Alonso it was and Royce was rather annoyed with uh, Castro, uh, not, not, uh, yeah, heading there for, for Alonso. So he might have intercepted that. But, uh, yeah, in the 19th minute, uh, basically a throw in situation in which Dortmund scored, uh, Tuchel, which I found was, uh, was very interesting. Basically, I don't know if he waved to Guerrero, but I'm pretty sure it, it was Guerrero basically commanded him to uh, move up front and then uh, Pischek threw it to Aubameyang and Aubameyang played it further to Dembele, who himself wanted to, uh, I think, play to Royce, who was even one up further and basically would uh, have, uh, yeah, surpassed Bayern's last line, but uh, yeah. Martinez got in the in the way of the ball and uh, played the ball back to his keeper, but Guerrero made the run, and yeah, the rest is basically history. We knew that Royce then played the tap in. Konstantin, um, do you think that's something uh, Bayern are not used to when they play against opposition? That there is a player making a run like Guerrero, that the back pass of Martinez can be picked off like that? Uh, no, it's just something. Sometimes, uh, wingers or set the forwards do. Uh, it's, can happen all the time. Um, if you are not, I don't know, focused enough or whatever, it's just, it was just a poor back pass. Um, and that can happen. And, um, it was not the first and, uh, surely won't be the last time that, 
someone intercepts a back pass uh, towards the goalkeeper and just yeah. yeah. But but if I may, the the pass wasn't even aimed at Ulreich, was it? I think it was going to. Uh, no, it was aimed at at Ulreich. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. aimed at Ulreich. There was there was. Then then it was even worse than I thought. It because was, it, yeah, it, it was bad. It, it looked, it looked pretty bad going to the uh, defender, but it was absolutely hopeless going to uh, Ulreich. It was bad, and uh, there are wingers and, as I said, center forwards who are sometimes just speculating and uh, trying to intercept something like that. And um, even the second half, there was one situation uh, where Aubameyang, where, where there was, um, I know who was, uh, maybe Vidal was playing a pass to Martinez. Let's just say that. Um, and Wamiyang well, was just waiting behind Martinez, just waiting to intercept the, the pass. I mean, that's something you can do. Um, and Dortmund isn't the first team that has done something like that, uh, when playing against Bayern. And yeah, it's just business as usual in football. Uh. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you know, I myself, I was pretty impressed with Dortmund, uh, yeah, going at Bayern. In, in that style, especially after the 4-1 loss. But then again, I think that also just highlights the presence of Marco Reus. Um, I also don't think that Dortmund immediately dropped off because they did lose some control in, in the match uh, after they uh, went ahead. But I thought it was almost coincidence. However, at some point they did uh, really lose control. Konstantin, why was that? Why did Dortmund uh, basically let the game slip out of their hands so severely in long periods of the first half? Yeah, so in the first uh, 20, 25 minutes, they were really able to um, guide Bayern's build-up play towards the left side, or towards Bayern's left side, towards uh, Dortmund's right side. Um, so keeping Robben away from the ball was uh, basically the goal and the early stages of the match. Bayern just bought into it, um, putting Vidal and Thiago uh, towards the left. However, after 20-25 minutes, uh, Ancelotti or Bayern in general, they, they changed their setting in midfield. Uh, Thiago was more on the right side and it was not, uh, Dortmund was not able to uh, guide Bayern's build-up uh, towards the Towards the Dembele Piszczek side anymore, so Robin was yeah. Also, very very importantly, Robin moved up the field a little bit, or or rather back back to back to midfield because he was positioned very high in the first fifteen to twenty yeah, minutes, sure. and then moved back, and uh, yeah, was a passing option which he wasn't basically. He, he got involved in the game by just dropping back, and and also yeah, there was one one point also that the balance in midfield changed that Thiago was. More on the right half space, um, Vidal was positioned more centrally. And, uh, yeah, by the way, the, the, the approach in the first 20, 25 minutes really reminded you of what, uh, Klopp did a few years ago when he played with 4-4-2 and with Hofmann as the advancing wing on, in, uh, in the pressing, in the first pressing phase. Um, because Guerrero did that against Lam. Uh, that's why there, there wasn't, or Bayern wasn't really able to, uh, build up through the right side. Uh, at first, but as I said, changed and our problem, our issue, and it's an issue that, uh, has come up, uh, recently or frequently, uh, in, in recent matches is that, um, Dortmund's midfield is just not able to really win, a, win a midfield battle, so to say. So Bayern, they could move up them, uh, move up through the center and without any hesitation because there is no threat that Weigel or Custer would intercept and, start a transition attack. So they just moved up, 
move down the middle. Um, Hummels, Martinesti could advance. So, yeah, that's when Dortmund lost control over the match. Yeah, Lars, any, any idea why, uh, Dortmund's, Dortmund's ball retention was so poor? Maybe an idea what they could do better going forward in, in these kind of situations? Do you think it's, it's maybe a psychology thing that they maybe shouldn't uh, be so hasty in making a forward pass or is it just down to Bayern's counter pressing? Well, generally, I think the idea that you can hit Bayern on the counter just by way of having the much faster players on the pitch uh, is not that bad an idea. Um, trying to initiate quick transition attacks makes sense against Bayern's back line, especially without Boateng, who's uh, so much faster than both Martinez and Hummels. Um, the thing is just uh, when you're on the road at Bayern, sometimes you will lose that control and you will have too many quick losses of possession and that's just something you have to acknowledge and deal with uh, without it derailing you completely and I think with a little luck Dortmund did that yesterday uh, going forward I think the introduction of Moderhut in that midfield will work wonders in that uh, regard because he's not only because he's uh, a better uh, ball carrier I would say than uh, for example Gonzalo Castro he's also uh, in the working in the other way, uh, as Konstantin just mentioned, he's, I think, more aggressive than anyone they have right now uh, in trying to win the ball back, in trying to go for interceptions. Um, I think his defensive work rate is underrated uh, in uh, comparison to his attacking exploits. So his introduction should really help in that regard. And then. We also have to uh, remember what Tuchel said a few times, that a lot of these players haven't played too many of these big games. And even though it's only the cup uh, playing on the road under the floodlights at Allianz Arena is still a pretty big deal, even though Dortmund didn't play with the youngest of all lineups yesterday. But still many of those uh, guys hadn't played much in, in, in big games either this season or just in general in their career. So... As I said, you, you kind of have to acknowledge before the game that you will have some spells where you don't look great against Bayern uh, on the road and, and just hope you can withstand those. And, and with Roman Burki, uh, a little luck and maybe not a bit, not a good day at the office for someone like Robert Lewandowski, they managed to do just that. Yeah, Lars, I do wonder, um, you know... Lewandowski, of course, not his best game as uh, he not only failed to beat Burkini one-on-one, but also had a very touch and another very promising opportunity. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to formulate it too bad, but did uh, Mark Barsha plant a little seed in his shoulder when uh, he fought him in the uh, league game that might have had Dortmund <laughs> later in the cup? Or is that just I mean, it probably wasn't on, on purpose, of course, but uh, do you think that uh, the shoulder injury still bucked Lewandowski there? Well, the shoulder injury came when he won the penalty of Roman Burki uh, and not when Bartra hit him uh, with a high boot. So, uh, Well, I'm just it, saying what uh, Mike Bartle says. Yeah, but Mike Bartle is an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, Lewandowski's uh, agent for people who don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the Lewandowski injury 
pretty much derailed by unseasonal in the the big games against Real and Dortmund now Lewandowski scored just one goal and that was a penalty and and I mean certainly against Dortmund now in the cup he he wasn't even playing well uh, I mean Lewandowski is the kind of striker who doesn't define himself uh, just about goals but he didn't play well against Dortmund and that certainly was down to the injury to an extent but it also shows that Uh, even a squad as uh, highly decorated as Bayern and a club that generally makes the right decisions more often than not uh, as Bayern maybe erred in not signing a pure striker backup for Lewandowski in the uh, last few years. I mean, Lewandowski is a machine. He's almost never injured and I, I can understand that having a backup for him in the squad might seem... Uh, unnecessary for for large portions of the season but now in the last few weeks the the first real important stretch for Bayern since uh, I don't know the turn of the year certainly because they they uh, the the Bundesliga was always more or less in the back for them uh, you really saw that Bayern's squad isn't at the at the highest level in Europe right now and and that cost them presumably not only a, a cup win, but also a Champions League semi-final appearance. Yeah, that is very true, Lars. Um, uh, Konstantin, Bayern, of course, are under a lot of criticism right now, but if we're honest, it's been very fine margins for them to go out against Real Madrid and also against Dortmund. I mean, uh, you know, as nice as the win was for Dortmund, they all had to admit that uh, Bayern uh, were the better team and Dortmund were also lucky to go through. So, um, yeah, the narrative, of course, right now is a little bit that Bayern are growing old and Dortmund are the new kids on the block. And uh, do you do you think that Dortmund can topple Bayern maybe next season in in the light of Bayern getting way too old and Lahm and Mat Mat uh, Alonso retiring and whatnot? No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, just we have to stay serious. Uh, because just look at the table and just look at the gap between Dortmund and Bayern. Maybe, uh, Dortmund, uh, are able to close the gap a little bit, but, uh, Bayern is still the best team in Germany by a wide margin. Uh, and even with Alonso and Lam retiring, they will, I mean, Bayern, the problem with Bayern right now is, or, what will happen soon and that's uh, due to the influence of the returning influence of uh, Hönes is that they will buy uh, mostly Bundesliga players like Rudi, Huetzka, Pond, and that will help them maintain their position in the league but it will weaken them when they appear in the Champions League. Uh, but with Pond and, and Rudi and Süle, Goretzka probably um, they will be, they will still be the top team in, in the Bundesliga. Um, that's just, I, I don't think that, uh, reti a retired Alonso, retired Lamb will hurt them that much and that Dortmund can close the gap. Uh, that's, yeah. Lars, I want to hear your opinion on this. I think Dortmund will be able to close the gap to some extent. Uh, I mean, looking at, Bayern's season this year and Dortmund's last season, uh, the first under Tuchel, they, they'd be neck and neck with Bayern for the Bundesliga title. Uh, now obviously that was with Hummels, Gundogan and Mikitarian, but with Dahoud coming in, uh, defense, uh, 
possibly stabilizing a bit in the uh, continued development of the likes of Dembele and Pulisic and Guerrero. Uh, I think the gap will be closer, but I mean, I, it, I, I, be, I will, I'll believe uh, Bayern won't win the Bundesliga title in any of the next three or four seasons when I see it. They are just so far ahead of everyone else that they need to really do some bad work not only on the transfer market, but on the training pitch as well. So I can't really see them dropping back so far that Dortmund are true contenders for the Bundesliga title next season. Well, the thing is, you know, I mostly agree with you, but I also still remember that Bayern, you know, were lucky in some games uh, this season where they needed some extra magic in, in stoppage time to gain a couple of points meanwhile Dortmund of course this year dropped just too many points where they were the better side and if they can maybe stabilize themselves in there when that they actually you know win when they are the better team meanwhile Bayern yeah lose a couple more points they might meet each other in the middle whether it'll be enough for Dortmund to actually be be a challenger until until match day 34 i don't know but uh, you know sometimes the course of the season can go into an unpredictable unpredictable way uh anyway uh, but, but sorry. i think it, it's it's nice and everything that that dortmund has won the semi-final against bayern big victory for the club and everything but um right now dortmund should be concerned about closing the gap to rb leipzig first and then uh, thinking about how to close the gap to Bayern Munich. Because Dortmund is third in the Bundesliga and was fourth for some time. Of course, Hoffenheim will be weakened uh, in the summer due to the departure of, of uh, Rudi and Süle. But it's not like RB Leipzig will disappear for some reason. So first, closing the gap to RB Leipzig um, and then maybe thinking about Bayern. That should be the way to go. Um, because like Dortmund played like a an average season, like a mediocre season. We shouldn't forget that. They lost to Monaco in the Champions League and are out. Under what yeah, circumstances, well, Constantine? Dortmund would, uh, my, my opinion is that Dortmund would have lost anyway against Monaco because yeah, they are so, no so, of, so prone. absolutely no way of telling that. Yeah, they are so prone to counterattacks still. That Monaco was a very, 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 um, bad opponent for Dortmund. Just at this point. I mean, Dortmund should, should think about closing the gap to RB Leipzig and then, uh, thinking about closing the gap to, to Bayern. It's just, you know, I mean, though, we, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves because of one, of one game. So it was just one game. One time that they beat Bayern. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I wasn't really getting ahead of myself, as uh, yeah, said. Bayern are still I, much, much just, stronger here, and and, and Dortmund ha uh, haven't even won the or haven't even won the, the the German Cup. I mean, there's still a match to play. Uh, it's not like that's an automatic win against Frankfurt. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really great that Dortmund won an an important match against Bayern, but it was one game, not more, and there were many, many mediocre performances this season just saying no it's it's true Dortmund uh, aren't third because uh, they, they played one of the best seasons uh, it's a transition year after all um, Lars um, if we if we move to the uh, goals of Bayern right before or not right before halftime um, 
Is there anything you want to point your finger to which Dortmund could have done better? <laughs> um, I don't think that they were necessarily goals that were preceded by individual mistakes as much as just a general lack of sharpness uh, in some of those close encounters. Uh, I mean, the the first goal of Martinez was a, coming from a corner kick. So uh, you, I, I think you cannot concede goals uh, from set pieces against Bayern. That's the, the easiest way to lose games to basically give away cheap goals to a side that is better than you is usually a bad sign. This time it worked out for them. Um, I, I guess Bayern did that pretty well. They they boxed out uh, seven, eight yards in front of the, the goal line and then Martinez didn't even have to jump. That's usually a bad sign for, uh, for your man marking um, in the box. Yeah, I can't even tell who uh, was assigned to Martinez. Was it Bender? It might have been Bender from the the TV pictures. It looked like him, but it doesn't really matter. It was actually uh, actually was its zone coverage, but uh, Piszczek was trying to get to Martinez. Hummels was blocking him. Yeah, I, I wonder the the little shove of Martinez. I think he shoved Hummels away, right? Was that legal? You can't push your own player, of course. Yeah, and and, and okay. pl blocking uh, Hummels, blocking Piszczek. I mean, it's still legal it's not really he, was, he wasn't really pushing he was just standing there and you know using his you, broad sh shoulders you, you're not allowed to to lift up a player for example your okay. teammate for example to yeah. uh, reach a higher ball or something like in it's not a rugby scrum but uh um you you are allowed to give him a little nudge i think nobody would have uh blown the whistle there and then the for the second goal That was in, in, in Bayern's strongest phase of the game, uh, I would say, uh, you know, a few minutes yeah, after. Yeah, that goal that, kind of was coming. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the goal had been coming and, and it had to come from, uh, Ribéry to, uh, who was a real pest to Piszczek. And as I said in an earlier answer, uh, Dembele tried his best, but didn't always uh, do so well in helping out against him. So Piszczek was maybe a yard or two too far away from Ribéry, but I think you also had just have to give credit uh, for the entire attacking move and certainly for the finish of Mats Hummels. Uh, that was just a, a well-worked goal and uh, one, another one of those things that you have to take into account when traveling to Bayern, that there's too much quality in the team for them not to score a, a, a well-crafted goal like that at some point uh, against you and I think it was important for Dortmund to concede that but um, stay in the game enough not to concede a third and a fourth in quick succession obviously once again that was down to luck as well as uh, Berkey having a good day but um, that was certainly the, the key to the match uh, from from Dortmund's perspective then Yeah, it was interesting, uh, the, the Hummels goal, uh, or what, you know, interesting, not really, but it's, it must be really tough for any Dortmund coach, uh, to really think of how to stop Bayern because, um, the, the problem, of course, is that whatever you do, there will always be a center back or, or someone who can, uh, yeah, play precise diagonal balls to either Robin or Ribery on the, on the flanks. Um, uh, yeah, you cannot close them all. You cannot mark, 
Don Hummels, Martinez, uh, Lam, or I don't, I don't know who is there, Alonso or even Thiago. So that's, that's a problem that will always occur. And uh, eventually Ribéry or Rom will get one of those balls. And yeah, we all know that Ribéry can, can dribble and yeah, make Pischek look really, really old there. And yeah, as you said, tidy finish of Hummels. Um, but it was, but it was, sorry, just shortly interrupting. Um, was was also a result uh, the, the, the second goal. It's also the result of um, Dortmund's fullback and winger, uh, especially on the right side, uh, just being really passive um, in most cases. So uh, no intention to intercept the pass. Um, so normally Ribéry or Alaba had the chance to to receive the ball, control the ball, and then moving on uh, and going for the triple or one-on-one situation, whatever. Um, so, so, I mean, of course, it's really risky to, to, uh, trying to intercept, uh, passes towards Ribery and Alaba, but sometimes you should at least try something like that. Especially Dembele was just not in the right role right there. Yeah. Obviously. And you, you actually didn't interrupt me there because I was just getting to that oh, because, uh, I I think you know that was the the problem in the first half that uh, Ribéry and Alaba and Alaba you know if you ask Bayern fans does not have the best season of all seasons so um they they had so much time to play the ball to each other and uh, you know not only for the goal but in in general I think in a in a uh, period where Dortmund really lost control of the game that was a big issue that both Ribéry and Alaba had so much time to just play a couple of one-twos and to allow the other teammates to move up the field and thus push Bayern really, uh, push Dortmund really far into their own territory. And, uh, yeah, once you are pinned back to your own box, it's really, really tough to defend against Bayern. So it, I think that passiveness, the, 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 <laughs> the do of, of, Passiveness or whatever you want to call it between Pischek and, and uh, Dembele was yeah crucial to to Bayern getting uh, such a firm hold of Dortmund and then last of course Tuchel made a change at halftime so please ponder on that. Yeah, there there were a lot of idiots on Twitter, uh, myself included, who wanted uh, Dembele off uh, at halftime just because he he hadn't been in the game and it it felt like. Generally, Tuchel's initial plan had worked to 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 an extent uh, in the first half. This the, this four four two shape, but obviously he knows better. Introduced Eric Dorm, an athlete on the right side, who who can make those tracking runs uh, against Alaba and help out more against Ribéry. I think the left side of Bayern was much less of a factor in the second half. Uh, than it had been in the first and uh, it also allowed uh, Dembele to move a bit more centrally where he uh, feels more at home uh, as we've learned countless times this season uh, but I think the, the most important thing was that uh, going to this more flexible backline I don't think it was a, a genuine back three back five in the second half it was more uh, versatile uh, as I said um it allowed uh, players to be tighter against their matchups. So uh, Pischek followed Ribéry more closely. Um, Weigel was closer to Thiago, I felt, and, and Schmelzer still had a good grab on uh, uh, Robben. So it, it, just in general, they, they, they seemed to be tighter towards their men. And apart from uh, that horrendous Birki pass to Weigel that 
should have led to a goal if not for uh, the the greatest goal line uh, clearance in Dortmund history since Nevin Subotic at Wembley and Jürgen Kohler at uh, Old Trafford in 1997. Uh, apart from those, uh, from from that chance, I think uh, Bayern didn't create too much in the second half, and that was obviously down largely uh, to Tuchel's changes defensively. Yeah, we must also mention that, of course, due to Dembele moving higher up the field and more into the half space that uh, restricted Alaba in his advancing runs. And I, I think that also played into the cards to yeah break up the partnership that was going so well between Alaba and, and Ribéry. Um, yeah, you just mentioned the incredible save of Benner. Konstantin Benner said after the game that he didn't even really know where the ball was. So it was just a sub subconscious reflex. Yeah, maybe he was he was just going for it. Uh I mean in nine out of ten cases you you don't get uh your foot to the ball or something and it's just, you know, it's going in. Um because like, you see you see these kind of I mean not not as spectacular as, as Bender's um attempt to save the entire thing was, but uh, you, you see players like trying to, to save or when the goalkeeper's already beaten, but yeah, it was it was kind of lucky, but also very flatting, spectacular. So um, we just should give credit to Bender that he achieved something not not many players have achieved. Um, yeah, uh, but also it it shows you that Bayern really had to change the close to show uh, early on in the second half. So and not due to uh, great build up play or something, just because uh, Berkey made a mistake, but still. Um, Bayern had a few chances to close the show. It wasn't like they were um, completely outplayed in the second half. Yeah, that is very true. And also uh, the reason, of course, why I did not entirely blame Marino for his pass against Gladbach that uh, led to a goal because, uh, you know, it, it's it's not entirely just Marino who does these things. Uh, you know, it happens way too often. Berkey this time, uh, I wonder who may screw up against Cologne. Um Lars, however, do you think the uh, clearance of Sven Bender was the moment of the of the uh, game, or is there another one for you that sticks out? I think that was certainly the the most exhilarating moment in the game, apart from uh, Dembele's winner uh, later on. But I think the the decisive moment in the game came when Matsumoto had to be taken off with uh, I think muscle. It wasn't really cramps he had general muscle issues more uh, more clench because he's not been at 100% or close to 100% for the last few weeks and tried to grind it out against Real played really well there and then was absolutely spectacular for the 60 minutes he managed to stay on the field against Dortmund easily the best player on the pitch in my opinion um, not only scoring that goal but he was just majestic in all aspects of the game it really Reminded Dortmund fans what they are missing uh, with him having gone back to Bayern in the summer. So, uh, I mean, I think in the 56th minute or so, he had that uh, insane tackle on Dembele in the box after Dembele had made a, a pretty nice run. Uh, and that was just one of the many instances where uh, Hummels showed he was just so far ahead of everyone else. And then when he when he left the pitch in the 61st minute, it took Dortmund two minutes to score. Uh, a relatively easy goal, even though it was still uh, very well done by uh, Dembele mostly, uh, but but it was comparatively an easy goal. I mean, uh, a, a headed tap in, if you like, for uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, so, 
I, I'd venture the guess that that wouldn't have happened with Mats Hummels in the pitch. So uh, I think that was really the the turning point of the match, and then certainly Dortmund scoring just two minutes after that, uh, and 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 getting back uh, to level terms uh, after surviving uh, the onslaught of Bayern chances uh, from about 30th to the 50th minute. That was really, I guess, the turning point of the game. Yeah, it surely was. Um, Mats Hummels was just so strong also just in his interceptions alone that really really impressed me like how how he managed to yeah basically get the ball every time before Aubameyang or or Royce or Dembele that that was really that was really something especially uh considering what could have happened uh, if Dortmund got one of the many balls that uh, Hummels uh, picked off first um Konstantin Uh, there's a nice saying that uh, basically is uh, you're only as good as your opponent lets you be. Um, in this case, I think this applies to Bayern in the sense that they let Dortmund be better. So um, what actually went wrong for Bayern that uh, Dortmund all of a sudden had so much space and, and time? Was it only just Hummels or were there also other factors on the field? Uh, Hummels wasn't the, the most important reason that uh, Dortmund had that much space and in some of some instances at least um most importantly Bayern still after the first half where their high press didn't work that well still tried to apply high pressing uh, for whatever reason that's why Schmelzer had a lot of um freedom on the left um especially when when Thiago moved up uh, trying to to pressure Socrates then Robben had to move inside Schmelzer was free Weigel was there um, and just played the pass towards Schmelzer, who, uh, yeah, just cut uh, one down the on the left side. Uh, for that's like only one example. Um, there were there were many, and when you look at the at the Aubameyang goal, um, it's just you know deep ball circulation, and Dembele picks up the ball in the right in the deep right half space, just marching down. Ribéry somewhere deep attacked him but he was uh Dembele was able to play um a last second pass to uh Dorm and Dorm you know and then he's running down of course there was like the, the Hummel space there and uh, Boateng wasn't reacting quickly enough um then and then Dorm plays the pass to uh Dembele again so it's it's really it comes down to uh bad high press bad midfield pressing especially deep midfield pressing and also that um I think the Bayern uh, didn't react correctly uh, to Dortmund's adjustment. Um, they feared that uh, Dembele and Royce would basically expose um, the spaces behind Vidal and uh, Thiago. That's why Vidal was playing deeper. That's why Thiago was the number 10 in the second half, um, which, of course, put not enough pressure on Weigel, who was like the only center midfielder in Dortmund's formation. So, um, yeah. And the only thing Angelotti did right in the second half was bring bring on um, Müller, especially Müller as the secondary striker uh, next to Lewandowski is working out very well, um, as you could see in a few minutes in the second leg against uh, Real Madrid as well. Um, but that's that was it. I mean, that's like no adjustments regarding the pressing. Yeah. That is that is very true. Also, um, I I was I was very uh, I don't know I don't want to say confused, but uh, as as you as you said, uh, you know I was rather surprised that Bayern were so stretched because 
of that high pressing as, as you just said um that yeah i don't i don't know i didn't expect that because bayern usually uh know better and uh, i do wonder what uh caledo <laughs> was thinking there um yes yes and no so just just one point uh just we watched the uh, hoffenheim match for instance it was just it was basically the same thing um bayern applied a high press no pressure and super super and Toyan were like outplaying them over and over again and uh, against Real Madrid they applied a high press occasionally but mostly didn't because they knew that it would just you know don't go right um yeah so press, pressing is the biggest issue um for Angelotti to solve during the summer Interesting, Lars. Um, but it was wasn't only a, a tactical issue for Bayern because I thought they also started to uh, yeah lose a little bit of focus or at least a little bit of uh, precision in in their passing and then maybe also in, in their first touch. Uh, you know, we can also just uh, think it was Vidal who played that pass to Lam, who then got picked off by Guerrero ahead of the three. Uh, 3-2 for Dortmund. I, I think that was similar and, uh, I felt, I felt like, uh, yeah, Bayern just not as sharp. Do you think, uh, the drop off, uh, in energy levels, uh, for Bayern were just more severe than for Dortmund? Yeah, I, I think that's likely accurate. Um, if you talk to Bayern fans, one of their, most, uh, their, their main complaints about, uh, Ancelotti's first season is that uh, he's not giving uh, players outside of his usual eleven enough playing time, and uh, I, I think uh, that energy drain and and mental drain uh, towards the end of a season uh, and coming off the disappointment in the Champions League for them, and then dominating the game fairly easily against Dortmund for large stretches, but not scoring that decisive third goal. I think that that all leads to uh, what you described. Uh, I mean. We, we've seen it in Dortmund, uh, countless times this season that there are just some phases in the game, uh, where those sharpness levels drop a bit and, uh, first touches get more unsure and, and, and you, you invite your opponent to, to do some damage. And, uh, Bayern have looked mortal, uh, on the football pitch this season time and time again and, uh, certainly were uh, in the situation you described. Yeah, it was uh, Vidal, I think, uh, with the pass to Lam, but usually Lam does better than he did uh, against the, the the double press of Guerrero and Reus. Uh, I think both could have won the ball. It was uh, Guerrero who had got the first touch then. Uh, Dortmund rolled a three-on-three counter. Uh, I think Reus did very well in holding up play long enough, not releasing the ball right away, uh, allowing Guerrero to catch up to him uh, on the left uh, Reus got the ball back uh, a bit uh, behind him so he he uh, couldn't get the shot of himself and almost lost the ball by stumbling I think it was relatively fortunate to uh, keep uh, possession but had the presence of mind to find Dembele and then it was just a spectacular individual performance from Dembele in that situation uh, a shimmy against Alaba who uh, training against uh, Franck Ribéry and Ian Robben should know better than to allow the winger to get uh, to his inside but that's what happened and then 
than Bale uh, just scoring a magnificent goal. Uh, I mean, as I said, for Bayern's uh, second goal, sometimes uh, you just have to tip your cap, and that's what what Bayern did in that situation. I think. Yeah, I I agree. It just was a very well worked goal for Dortmund, although they had a little luck. Um, but Konstantin. Usman Dembele uh, much maligned sometimes. However, uh, you know he hasn't scored too many goals yet, considering the amount of chances he had and the the opportunities. But uh, it was kind of nice that it, uh, that this sort of goal happened in in such an important game, wasn't it? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, also, two two points uh, regarding the goal. First, it is great that Dembele scored it and the way he scored it, and also the second the second thing is that it showed how Toro's adjustment, the tactical adjustments worked out because like Dembele was in a different role, in a more suitable role. Um as a you know white half um there and that's why he was in the position he was in uh pre or when he scored the goal. Um and also when when he um assisted at the second one. So it's it's just nice to see that something plays out that well. Yeah, certainly yeah for for the second one of course we uh, also have to I don't, I don't know at least I I feel like I have to highlight the uh, pass to Dembele by Eric Dom because I thought it was a really really good good spot and very precise pass with the right amount of sharpness by Dom and uh, yeah to me Dom one of the game changers as as well although that was of course just a tactical move by by Tuchel however uh, you still have to go on the pitch and do your job well enough for it to work and Doom did exactly that so yeah I'm I'm happy that uh, the utility player let's say uh, was being utilized the right way and uh, yeah could really help the team move to Berlin um also maybe quite interesting that um Bayern didn't create too many things after Dortmund went ahead I think There was the uh, one stop by Burki where, uh, yeah, Robben was uh, scoring from or trying to score from a very close uh, range. Um, Lars, your thoughts on Burki in the game uh, minus that one brain fart pass to Weigel? Minus that one brain fart, he was spectacular, but uh, I don't think we can just subtract that from his performance. So uh, uh, in in a Uh, rating uh, from 1 to 10, I would have given him a 9 without that, and uh, I mean, with it still in, uh, a solid 8, or I, I think he was really he and uh, Guerrero were, I think, Dortmund's best players on the pitch uh, until Dembele woke up after uh, 60 minutes slumber. Yeah, I can tell you from experience, it's not really easy to rate Dembele because, you know, after, after, yeah, 60 minutes or so, you could just rate him too. <laughs> you know, maybe not even his own fault, but uh, there's only so much you can do. And then he really turns it up and basically uh, puts the game on its head. It's quite amazing. So, you know, which way do you go and praise him or just give him average rating? You know, it's tough. But yeah. Don't want to ponder too much about my own job. Uh, <laughs> Konstantin last just said it. Guerrero also very, very impressive. Uh, and we have not really mentioned him so far until that point. But, uh, you know, why don't you uh, go on and uh, maybe say a couple of nice things about him? Because I thought it was one of his better games in a very long time. Sure. After the Guerrero hype faded uh, at some point, um, I think... What he did uh, against Bayern was 
what he should do in, in most matches is like functioning well in the system and doing his job and adding some of his skills just here and there. Um, and they're still evolving, you know, that's, that's something we should remember that Aguero is still like a player work in progress, so to say. Um, and in the first half, he was, he was responsible for pressuring alarm and guiding Bayern's build up to the other side. So he did very well in the first 20, 25 minutes. And in this, in the second half, he played a really difficult role because it was some, something between a left winger and a yeah, left sided center midfielder. Um, he was supporting Weigel on the one hand and Schmelz on the other hand. And he was, he was really there, um, up front when something was, you know, he was, he had to do something, uh, supporting Royce and, and, um, Dembele as well. And he was, you know, the next second he was back, uh, near the, near the back line and was, you know, helping them out. So yeah, he was just really, really well, well functioning piece in the puzzle. Um, and that's what yeah. you want from a player like him. And, and maybe with adding one more year you now, if he gets one more year under his belt, um, evolving a little bit here and there, he can be an even more influential part in the, in the mid, in the midfield of Dortmund. But we should give him time. Um, not overhyping, uh, Rafa Guerrero at this point, but he's really, uh, able player and he has great potential. So, and he show, showed some of yeah, his potential I'm- yesterday. I personally am a, am a great fan of him because, uh, you know, he, he, of course, is a very elegant player, but I, I also think he's a very intelligent player. Plus, he has a pretty good nose for goal. Um, you know, after everything you just mentioned, we just have to add that he also was very influential in two goals, uh, playing the assist sort of for Royce there. And, uh, then of course, stealing the ball of Lam to initiate the third. So, um, not bad, not bad, Mr. Guerrero. Yeah, before we actually do talk about maybe what the cup final now means for Dortmund and uh, how great it is, uh, you know, after what happened basically two weeks ago, I actually wanted to talk about uh, Manuel Griff a little bit because he was the referee and in such a tense match, we might, of course, uh, lose a couple of words on him. Konstantin, uh, how did you see the referee handle the game? Oh, yeah, he did well. Um, first maybe made a mistake here and there, but it's just natural. Um, every player makes, mis- uh, makes mistakes and so does the referee. Uh, but yeah, I think his, just his charisma and how he conducts everything. It's just, yeah, it's, it's good. And as someone who, as a, I don't know, 12 year old was, uh, shouting at Manuel Käfer when he refereed, uh, um, a fourth, fourth division match. Um, yeah. I have to compliment his performance yesterday. <laughs> because I remember that to this day that I was, um, you know, standing right at the, at the locker room and was shouting at him when he messed up a match. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for the walk down your own personal memory lane. Um, last, I think there was one situation where I really wasn't sure whether it was a good call or not. And, uh, because I chose to not look at too many replays. And I think it was, uh, Xabi Alonso going down in the box and, uh, he was booked for, uh, simulation. Uh, do you think that was a good call? Because some said on, on Twitter, I was just reading that some said it was a foul and, and a dive. Others said it was just a, 
just a dive and then I read just a foul. So which is it? Uh, not a foul, uh, but also not a dive for me. I think uh, Grefe wanted to put his foot down and show Bayern that they wouldn't get back into the game uh, with a cheap penalty. And I think uh, Alonso tried to, to win one cheekily there. So, uh, And as we all know, uh, having watched these games against uh, Bayern and Real Madrid for that matter a few years ago, uh, a booking is never a bad idea for Xavi Alonso. Yeah, no, he arguably could have booked, uh, could have been booked in the first half. Uh, although I, th I think he, he fouled Weigel playing the ball and I, th I was fine with it until, uh, Dembele then, yeah, fouled or played the ball against Ribery and was booked for it. And then I thought, you know, it was maybe a little uneven, but that would be the only criticism for Grefe as he uh, booked uh, Ian Robben after he thought it was a good idea to show the referee how many yards uh, the distance between the ball and the wall has to be in a free quick. Anywho, so much for the refereeing. Um, Konstantin, um, what do you think this season will mean for Dortmund if they actually do win the cup and how big are their chances now against Frankfurt? It's a match 80-20 uh, in favor of Dortmund, of course, but they're still in you know, a danger that they can lose a match like that. It's It's the final... Um, Frankfurt is some kind of mystery right now because they, they are, their build up play is not really effective, but they can be able to break down an opponent. Um, so, um, their pressing is not really effective, but sometimes they are rather capable of intercepting, um, build up passes and they are some, sometimes they are able to, you know, compressing the field, um, repressuring opponents in, in midfield. So it's, it's really hard to, to, to know, but in, in like from out of 10 matches, Dortmund should win eight times against Frankfurt. But of course, never know. I mean, uh, yeah, Frankfurt, uh, already beat Dortmund this yeah. season in Frankfurt and, uh, Yeah, there were a couple of uh, nervy moments for Dortmund in their very recent 3-1 win over Frankfurt where I think Marco Fabian popped up in, in front of Berkey a couple of times and yeah, could have, should have put a few of those chances away. And then, uh, yeah, the run of the run of play would have been entirely different. Um, however, Lars, um, For Dortmund having another cup final now, uh, how do you think that will affect them in the Bundesliga in keeping their tension up? I don't think they needed the cup final to uh, sharpen the focus or anything. I mean, they're still very much in a fight for a third place and have to face Hoffenheim one-on-one, uh, mano-a-mano, -mano, if you like. Um, Uh, it's at home against Hoffenheim, so uh, I, I think Dortmund should uh, be third uh, come uh, the final match day, but you never know. So uh, th that's uh, motivation enough, even if they had lost the cup semifinal. But it certainly doesn't doesn't hurt their chances uh, that they have one last highlight to look forward to, uh, and, and players need to position themselves during the weeks. Uh, to make themselves uh, unmissable or however you want to put it uh, for the the cup final because everyone wants to play in, in the final like that. So um, 
I think the the most important thing, however, for the the remainder of the season is that there are no more English weeks, as we call them in Germany, so no more midweek matches, full training weeks for Thomas Tuchel, four in a row until the cup final. So I I, I truly expect Dortmund to be close to their uh, seasonal best uh, in the cup final, and hopefully uh, they'll be able to stay healthy. Uh, with their with key players, um, they they might get uh, Nuri Shahin and Mark Bartra back for that cup final, um, and and it it, it just seems uh, it it would be so fitting after what happened uh, earlier this month and and the way uh, the team has come even closer together uh, as Tuchel has said following the attack uh, on April 11th. Uh, it would be just fitting for them to to finally win silverware again after uh, 2012 and win win the first major trophy for Marco Reus and and Thomas Tuchel and I I'm I'm fairly confident right now but uh, as always uh, ask me again the day before the cup final and everything might change and and so it, I I guess we shouldn't be looking ahead too much right now yeah, you're, you're true, but nevertheless, it would be a great image if we see Mark Bartra lift the story, uh, the, the, Mark Bartra lift the trophy after what happened to him. Uh, but yeah, until then, still a lot of time. Um, so Lars, I will ask you one last question, maybe on the win against Bayern. What do you think will mean that for the team and, and for its development, maybe self understanding? I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, how how much a team of professional footballers defines themselves uh, on on the back of of just one game, and as as we talked about earlier, that they certainly wrote their luck on their way to Berlin to to a large extent. Uh, obviously, they deserved some luck on the pitch uh, after the last few weeks, but um, I, I I think there's no denying that even the players will know that. Uh, nine out of ten times the way the game went, they are probably out of the cup and not celebrating, uh, reaching a fourth consecutive uh, cup final in Berlin. So, uh, I, I think winning the cup would certainly change some things, uh, about the way they, they consider themselves, uh, just winning trophies is not a thing uh, players of Borussia Dortmund are too accustomed to simply because the the because of the presence of Bayern I mean nobody uh, who doesn't play at Bayern can can uh, consider domestic success basically a, a given any any season so uh, winning winning that first trophy for this let's call it a new team because there are many leftovers from 2012 and a new head coach, so many new players last summer. Uh, I think uh, winning the cup would be really important for them. So much, much more important than uh, a win over Bayern in the semifinal. All right, thank you, Lars. And uh, as you maybe just heard, uh, we got a couple of difficult problems here, which is why uh, we let Mr. Polman go. And it's just Konstantin and me now. Um, so we are here left to, yeah, give out a quick preview i guess uh, ahead of saturday's match against cologne which of course is probably equally important maybe not as the cup semi-final but then again it's the champions league qualification the direct qualification still on the line for dortmund so Konstantin, um 
after Dortmund uh, put in such a heroic performance, or at least uh, put in a great fight, and thus might be a little bit tired, what kind of game can Dortmund fans expect on Saturday? A uh, tricky one. So normally um, Dortmund should dominate uh, the match and have uh, a lot of ball possession. Um However, I mean, it's also a specialty of Köln that they just have like 25% of ball position in, in some matches. Uh, they just, they were reluctant to play with the ball. They were, they just want to counter and get uh, Modest involved in most cases. Um, so yeah, Dortmund will dominate the match and will try to break down Cologne's defense. But on the other hand, you never know if there will be an interception here and there and then, um, As I mentioned earlier, Dortmund is prone to counterattacks. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. But usually Dortmund should win, but yeah, I can just <laughs> repeat. It's, it's tricky. Um, because Cologne is a team that looks like they're, you know, out there not knowing what they are doing, but then they hit one or two, um, great plays and suddenly they are leading a match or so. So we will see. Yeah, Cologne, of course, uh, are the team that Dortmund have thank for jumping to third place because they stopped Hoffenheim on uh, last Friday in a 1-1 draw and Hoffenheim just grabbing a w winner in, I think, even stoppage time of Demir Bay, who's scored there. And uh, until then, in, in what kind of shape did Cologne play there? Was it a 4-3-3 system or uh, a 4-4-2 4-3-3. And uh, how do they apply that in a very passive way, I guess? Is it is it a zonal marking scheme or do they uh, man-mark? Mostly man-marking. Uh, and against uh, Hoffenheim's back three, they played uh, three uh, attacking players, uh, three strikers, basically, uh, to, you know, to, to apply a man-orientated pressing scheme up front. Um Yeah, Bitten, Kuro, Modest and right. Osako played very well. Right, in that right. Game. And, and also there was a match where, in, in which, uh, Cologne were a little bit more active, uh, regarding their build-up play and especially, uh, through Hector, who was the left-sided center midfielder. Um, but uh, when you watch the, the match against Tladbach, uh, uh, and that was a home game as well. And they just the first 20 minutes or so, they, I know it, it looked like Tladbach had the ball all the time uh, and we were leading the match, but then out of nowhere, just Clemens uh, hit the equalizer. So it's Cologne is a weird team, quite frankly, a weird one and tricky. Yeah, it's especially uh, for Dortmund who haven't done too well against uh, Cologne in the last games. I think Dortmund drew. This season was a 1-1 draw, if I'm not completely mistaken. And, uh, yeah, earlier, oh, yeah. earlier in the, in the year, I think in May, uh, the, the great yellow wall pot meeting in, on the yellow wall actually also yielded in a, in a two all draw. And, uh, yeah. In, in and it was, it was a two all, but it was Royce scoring in the last minute. Yeah. Was it, wasn't it a direct free uh, yeah. kick? Yeah. Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, it was, it was Dortmund uh, um, scoring yeah. twice from distance, which is qu quite remarkable for Dortmund. 
So which is why I remember that. I think Roy scored a direct free kick, which had a deflection and thus went in. Yeah. It wasn't a glorious performance. No, Gonzalo Castro, that one of say. the better players in this one, I think, uh, which is, uh, yeah, yeah, Dortmund were completely, uh, yeah, shaken. They looked very uncreative, uh, not really any idea how to break down Cologne. And I do wonder whether we will see the same on Saturday, wh whether, you know, they will once again not find a way through because on paper, when you look at uh, Dortmund play against Cologne, especially if you, Look at uh, Dominic Heinz, uh, the left centre-back of uh, Cologne. Uh, he's a very tall guy, but he's not one who is quick on his feet. And if you just think of Dembele in the right half-space, or maybe even Pulisic, uh, to to run at, at Heinz, um, you know, I think him alone can go past him like three or four times within one half. But uh, of course, uh, you know, in my head. And funnily enough, funnily enough, uh, the alternative to uh, Heinz is Nevin Supotic. Yeah, who's also slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's not too slow. He's not too slow, but it's Supotic. I mean, of course, after the injuries and everything, it's it's not like he's like this dynamic center back. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, but yeah. nevertheless, that of course will be one story of the match that uh, Jan Zubotic returns to the Westfalenstein, which probably will, yeah, yield in a couple of nice moments. Uh, however, um, I I think that you know on a on on good form, Dortmund should make it past Cologne. Do you think from Wednesday to Saturday it'll be enough time for Dortmund to fully recover? And if not, who do you think Tuchel may return? rotate out of the squad that beat Bayern? If they weren't potting too long, yeah, I, I think they have time to recover. Well, they had a couple of um, years, didn't they? Uh, are they old enough? To <laughs> well, Mark Pulisic said uh, no beer CP. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, Christian is 12, probably. Well, <laughs> um, he's not uh, legal no. to drink beer in the United States. In Germany, in he's United legal States, to Germany, beat Bayern and yeah. drink beer because the legal age for beer in Germany mm -hmm. is 16, as we all know. And the legal age for beating Bayern is just 16 as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, no, um, seriously. Yeah, it, it, I think they have enough time to recover and maybe uh, Tuchel can make some changes as far as the personnel goes. And yeah, either they will beat... Cologne decisively, or it will be an ugly one-one or something. <laughs> That's just how, yeah. Might as well be. How it will go. Yeah. Thing. The Who, thing, of course, knows? is a uh, player. You know, it's it's kind of already said that Shinji Kagawa was in really splendid form, but uh, yeah, didn't play. I think I think he didn't play against Gladbach and also not against um, Bayern. Now that could be, of course, a candidate to uh, yeah come back against Cologne and, and make an impact, but. With Royce being fit, yeah, someone of course will drop off and and uh, go. You you could you could go back to uh, Royce playing as a center forward in the first half, um, and then Kagawa and Dembele just behind him, maybe Pulisic on the right. Yeah, that's a good part for Dortmund. There are certainly some attacking options. Um, uh, we 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 of course didn't talk about the uh, partnership of Sven Bender and Socrates too much, but. Uh, yeah, Ginza came on as a substitute with a five minute stoppage time and yeah, 
do you do you think that this partnership will now remain the, that way until uh, Bartra comes back? Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, and wh when uh, Tuchel gets back to the back three, and you can use Piszczek as the third center back. Um, of course, ba Bender and um, Socrates are ahead of uh, Ginter right now, and of course, and of course, Bartra as the left-sided centre-back in the back three, or just as the as a centre-back in a, in a two-centre-back uh, pairing. Um, he He's great as well. And I mean, it's very unfortunate what, what happened, and it's very unfortunate that um, he's out for quite some time. Uh, he's really helpful, especially when, he, when he's advancing, um, playing some of his beautiful passes. Yeah, really unfortunate. Um, but against Bayern, it was enough to have uh, Bender and Socrates. So at least there's something. <laughs> and and it's also it's also great. Um, how should I say? It's it's just it's just great seeing Batra uh, going crazy on Twitter. Yeah, it's certainly. At, at least something, you know. I mean, <laughs> after what happened to him, it's just yeah. At least he can go crazy on Twitter. Um, better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 good to to see him smile and still be a beat about life. I think that's that's the main takeaway here. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's like we 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 don't have to discuss anything that happened. I mean, yeah, in in bad situations you can you should view something in a positive way, and uh, at least it was only a broken arm, I guess, right? I mean, only. Quote, yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, that <laughs> could yeah. have been fatal casualties. So yeah, only right, right, only right. broken arm. I mean, but but still, yeah. it's uh, completely unnecessary. And of sure. course, it's it's an impact also on, on in the sporting sense that Mark Bartra, of course, is a big miss, especially in the form sure, he was in when when he missed. And uh, yeah, Dortmund, of course, susceptible against counter-attacking teams, and uh, of course, they were. So against Monaco, but I'm pretty sure uh, Dortmund would have, yeah, kept it a little closer with Bartra on the field and in full form than uh, the way it panned out now. Uh, but yeah, let's look ahead. Um, Cologne, of course, with their goalkeeper named Timo Horn. He's a guy who is a couple of times each season linked with a move to Dortmund. Um, not the strongest season of him, although he was injured a couple of times. Uh, do you? think those rumors will re-emerge this summer or do you think it's done and dusted for now yeah i don't know the, the jury is still out there um regarding uh burkey's uh longevity at, at byron at, at byron sorry at dortmund um yeah i i think uh, burkey is a great goalkeeper he's not the best goalkeeper in the bundesliga um but he's very capable um, so I don't know if Dortmund have to go and make a move, um, and trying to sign Horn, uh, or should they rather spend their money to sign another center forward or another center back or whatever number right back, maybe? Um, yeah. I guess, yeah, that that would be a better move because it's not like Burkey is making mistakes every match or so. No, I mean, he makes a few mistakes. Horn. As you said, not his best season, but still he's one of the top three or four goalkeepers in the league. Um, I guess behind uh, Neuer and Fermann right now. And and Berkey's up there. Um, he's maybe top six or so. Well, if you, I, if I you know, had if listened you, if to the last show, you of course would know he's in the top three uh, because Matthias did, really? did some research on, on stats. 
So, um, yeah, okay. Be behind, behind Manuel Neuer and Ralf Fehrmann, I guess, although he didn't re reveal, uh, who the other keepers were, but that's just what okay. I, I figure, um, sure. But, uh, yeah, Roman, Roman Bürki certainly having a good season was just uh, maybe the focus on, uh, Timo Horn, um, and especially just, just adding, um, If you want to sign uh, Horn right now after a few seasons and he play he did really well uh, last season and the season before that, it will be an expensive signing. Yeah, he just extended his We contract. We talk about like 20 million or something because like the, the English uh, clubs will, you know, sneaking around and trying to get him. So the price goes up unless he has some buyout clause, but I don't think so. No, I also don't think so. Anyway, I'm tired about, uh, tired of talking about Timo Horn because, uh, you know, there's only so much he can do for Cologne. Someone who actually did quite a lot this season, <laughs> almost carrying this team is, uh, Anthony, Anthony Bodest, of course. He is on 23 goals, uh, for a long time was in a race for the Torjäger Kanone in the Bundesliga, but, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is now four goals ahead, having scored 27. So I don't really see Modest coming back, uh, for Aubameyang there, unless, of course, Aubameyang gets injured and something crazy happens, but, uh, I just don't think that'll happen now. So, um, nevertheless, how, Important is Modest for Cologne and, and what are his strengths and how did Dortmund uh, cancel those out? Cutting the um, ball supply, I guess. Um, yeah, he's really important, but there's also something I would call the uh, Gomez effect, um, which you can observe when you watch the uh, Wolfsburg matches these days. Um, it's just they're really, um, Cologne are really dependent on uh, Modest's effect effectiveness on, on the on the pitch. So, um, if he is not, you know, involved in, in the attacks, especially at the, at the last, um, piece of the chain, um, yeah, it doesn't go that well, uh, for Cologne. Um, so yeah, just cutting the, uh, the ball supply, um, isolating him. That's how you stop Modest from scoring. But if he gets involved, if he gets the, uh, the, the passive, he receives balls and can, you know, interact with, um, Osaka especially, but also Bittencore, if Bittencore plays, um, as a, as a winger, as an inverted winger often, um, then yeah, Modest is a threat. Yeah, I do believe, uh, Dortmund have to really take a closer eye on Osaka and Bittencore. They, and also on Hector. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, all, all those players really impressed me against Hoffenheim. So yeah, I think it, as you said, it will be a very tricky game. Um, and I do kind of want to knock this show now on the head. So Constantine, without any further ado, your prediction. Yeah, as I said, uh, either 4-1 or 1-1. So which is it? <laughs> Ah, you're not satisfied with, like... No, you have to jump off your fence now. It's prediction okay. time, it's money time. <laughs> All right, I think um, Dortmund right now, they are riding the wave, um, so 4-1. All right, I'm going for a 3-1 for Dortmund, which uh, yeah will still be an ugly 3-1, if you know what I mean. Sometimes you end up scoring maybe two goals late and uh, could be a very scrappy match at... At least that's what I'm expecting. So, yeah, there we go. Konstantin, it was a pleasure as always to have you on the show. So uh, can you 
tell our beautiful listeners where they can find you and your work on the internet. Our beautiful listeners, yeah, sure. Uh, they can find me on Twitter uh, under cc underscore eckner, and yeah, and write uh, read my written work mostly on Spielverlagung, Spielverlagung.de for the German uh, listeners or for the listeners who are capable of reading German, and Spielverlagung.com is the English edition of Spielverlagung. So yeah, check it out. There you go. And you can also, of course, follow Lars Polman on Twitter at Lars Polman. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Stefan Mutzko. If you want to get in touch with all of us, you can do that as well on Twitter at Yellow Wallpot. Our Facebook page is also named Yellow Wallpot. If you want to support us, which of course is really, really nice because that uh, allows us to buy maybe a new microphone for Lars, who just had a couple of sound problems, as we all heard, um, then uh, you can do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. Otherwise, do check out our written stuff on yellowwallpod.com and if you want to subscribe to our show via one of the many ways, you can do that on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Anywho, that will be all for this week. Um, Konstantin, I'm looking forward to uh, talk about Borussia Dortmund's win, hopefully against Cologne and then, of course, preview the game against Hoffenheim, which uh, will be probably another high-profile game. So something to look forward to. I don't know if we'll record that on next Tuesday or Thursday. Um, I will see. How, however, um, yeah, next episode we probably will take a couple of listener questions. So, Konstantin, uh, I will give you the last word. Don't trick and drive. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>